are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? Noah's wonderful host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account at Lockdown Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Now, on today's show, we're talking to Josh Neighbors, host of Locked On Nationals. We're talking about the series. We're talking about why the Nats are where they are in the standings. Max Scherzer. Uh, we're talking Steven Strasburg. So we're talking a whole lot in this podcast. It's a two-part series, so part two will be dropping tomorrow. But before we get to Josh Neighbors, first I want to talk to you guys about Locker Room because this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this weekend as I'll go live after the D-backs win, either Saturday or Sunday. Haven't decided yet, but follow me on Twitter to get that notification when I do. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Now, let's get into that conversation with Josh Neighbors, host of Locked On Nats. All right, first time on the pod, we got Josh Neighbors of Locked On Nationals, and he also does, what's your other Locked On show? I know you do Locked On show. Big 12, Locked On Big 12. Yeah, so this is like, you know, we got a few hosts at the uh, podcast network, specifically in the MLB channel, who do uh, double duty. Josh is one of those people, hardworking man, covering all things Big 12, college, doing a little baseball here, uh, covering the Nats. But Josh, how you doing, man? How, you know, let, let's just see how you're doing right now. I'm well. Uh, the Nationals are not well. I am well, though. It's it's uh, which is totally fine. The Big Twelve struggling for content, man. It's like they're having us go full steam ahead right now. What do you want me to talk about? A bunch of twenty four seven sports articles saying who's going to be here and talking about odds and whatnot. So the Big Twelve stuff is dragging. The baseball quality is dragging <laughs> yeah. for the Nationals too. So a lot of so there's there's slowness with the Big Twelve podcast and there's slowness with the Nationals' progress and being good team. Are you going to be talking about stuff like, I know the Pac-12 like announced their new commissioner today. Would you yep. talk about that on your podcast? Well, yeah, it, it is relevant to the the Big 12, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, because their the commissioner came out today and said he wanted, you know, playoff expansion, which uh, I think everybody is for. Yeah. Especially the Big 12 commissioner, you know, because Oklahoma's been a few times and they've lost every time. They Not in every year. So, yeah, that's kind of stuff is something that, you know, we touch on and mention how it affects the broader scope. And, yeah, especially this time of year, we're hitting on anything that's newsworthy right now. On a Locked On Big 12 podcast because all the kids save baseball or softball or golf are home right now. Mm. So our big money-making sports are not currently active. Mm. Well, at least we got the baseball season. We and do. I don't know as a Nats fan how you're feeling. So I want to get your take on that because I've had Arm Lane on this pod. I've had Ryan, uh, Ryan Finkelstein on this pod or Finkelstein. Let me get his last name correct. Finkelstein on this pod. The man. And, yeah. And we've talked about the NL East a bunch on here. And so I want to get your perspective on the NL East because when I was talking to them, it was at a time where no one in the NL East was, you know, above 500, maybe 500 at best. Now you got the Mets on a little hot streak. The Phillies are a couple of games above 500, but the Nats are still there at the 
bottom. So what's your take on the NL East and the Nationals right now? So I have a bone to pick with Arm. Arm was like, oh, I knew the Nats be at the bottom. Mm-hmm. They swept the Marlins like a week ago. Uh, and the, the national schedule has been really brutal. Uh, I'm not here to make excuses, but the fact that they got caught with COVID uh, at the beginning of the season was really difficult. That was it decimated the roster to start off. They played the Braves, they played the Dodgers, and um, it was difficult for them to deal with that. So, you know, but but everybody in this division, whether it be injury or just not playing well, everybody in this in this in this division has gotten off to a weird start. The problem for the Nats was that this was a time to make their move, and unfortunately for them, they got caught with bad circumstances, they were not able to try and make that move because the Braves, in my opinion, until somebody beats them, um, they are the favorite. They still feel like they might be inevitable once they get, get it figured out. They're lurking there, what, two or three games back. And the Phillies, look, the Mets have played the Phillies uh, nine times. They won six of them. They might have played them a tenth time. It, it was after a three-game sweep at that point in time, but in the fourth game. And also one of the games the Phillies won – was because Jacob DeGrom got pulled in the seventh inning of the first game of the year because the, they hadn't faced live pitching in a week. So mm-hmm. uh, the Phillies are going to be fighting for a wild card spot. They're not good enough, in my opinion, to, to win this division. The Braves, I think they showed it this past weekend, if they're focused and they're consistent, they are they are a really damn good team. Um, I think the way the Mets are playing through injury is really impressive. Uh, their winning streak right now. I mean, they are having, they're, they're losing players at the same rate they're winning, honestly. Mm. Right. I mean, they've won seven straight games. And right now, Davis and uh, Nimmo and yeah. Almora went out last night and McNeil went out with an injury and uh, missing guys in the pitching front as well, too. So, you know, they're dealing with that, but they're winning. That, that's what good baseball teams do. So, looks like those teams are making the move now and the Nats are falling behind, which is, the challenge uh, for a team like that. But this division, in my opinion, coming into the year was the best division in baseball. And I think it ends up being still the best mm. division in baseball just because the quality of the teams. I mean, look, let's be honest, four of the teams in the division want to make the playoffs. The fifth team, meaning the Marlins, did make the playoffs last year. The Braves want to win the championship. The Mets want to win the championship. The Phillies want to be in the playoffs. And the Nats won a championship two years ago and reconstruct the teams they want to win. So I think just by nature of that, having those that many teams that want to be competitive – uh, it's going to be a dogfight. Wow, stronger than the NL West, where you got maybe two of the yeah, top because, three well, World the, Series the, the Rockies suck, though. The Rockies, the Rockies are bad. Suck, but the Giants are way better than we thought. Right, right. The, the, the Giants are better than we thought. The D-backs, and, you know, uh, yeah. They're fun. The D-backs are fun. They're right? fun. But, but when, it, you know, when it comes down to it is that, you know, and, and I don't mean to demean the D-backs here, but mm-hmm. are the, D, the D-backs and the Nats have kind of similar records, right, mm-hmm. with where, they, where they're at. One team is a bit more serious about trying to win at this particular moment than the other one is. And it's not to demean them. I mean, the D-backs aren't – this is not a phase right now where they should try to be winning. It's a tough spot in that division too. But the Nationals have Soto and Turner. They've got the pitching, obviously, Strasburg, Corbin, and Scherzer on the payroll. They made some moves in the offseason. They want to be serious about winning. So that's kind of the nature of it. If you have that many teams that are that serious about winning, that's why I think it kind of ends up being one of the best divisions. Okay, I think the D-backs do want to win. They just don't want to spend any money to do it. They they're just trying to do it. Well, but but that but that's not wanting to win. Like because because you know to be fair to your team, you know, I mean that division, the Padres. I, I give the Padres all credit. They're mm-hmm. going for it right now, right? The Padres are spending money. They're going for it. The Dodgers, obviously, still going for it. The only team in the league it's like way in the luxury tax. The Giants aren't really going for it, but they're somehow very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see if that keeps up. 
to be serious about going for it in this league, you have to spend money. You really have to, unless you're like, unless you're a team that's run like the Rays. Yeah. You have to spend money to be serious. I think that's where the D-backs are trying to get to, would be a team like Oakland or the Rays, because I don't think the D-backs are ever going to spend money when they do. I mean, they spend money on Zach Ranke, $200 million. I, I don't, I mean, he was good, but they didn't keep him around for too long. Spent money last season on Madison Bumgarner. It has only worked out in the last five starts, but the previous 13 starts before that, he was literally the worst pitcher in all of baseball. So I, I don't think their recent track record of spending money has worked out in their favor, but you never know. I, I want them to spend money, honestly, but just the way they are with their financials, it doesn't seem like they're going to anytime in the near future, honestly. And like you're saying with the Padres and Dodgers, that both their teams are pretty young, pretty in their prime. They got pieces to be around for the next five to 10 years. So they're going to be powerhouses for a while. So the D-backs got to find a way to get in there. And the Giants, they're, they're I, like, I don't like their team on paper, but somehow they just keep putting together wins. And after 2020, when they were competitive, I didn't write them off entering the season. So I, I have high respect for the Giants, honestly. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting rooms for Locked on Diamondbacks once a week. Yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on the Locker Room app for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You will have a chance to chat with me and might even have a chance to be featured on the Locked on Dimebacks podcast through our Locker Room conversations. Be sure to join me this weekend uh, as I'll be hosting a room live either Saturday or Sunday Follow me on the Locker Room app, which is free to download for all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. Follow me at Miller Thomas to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be live this weekend. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Dimebacks. See you there. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts your car will ever need in a traditional chain storefront. Wanting to are often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the cowman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to the conversation. I want to ask you something about the Nationals, particularly their offense, because looking at ESPN.com and just team stats, the Nationals the Nationals are second in the National League in average, second fewest strikeouts as well, but they're 10th in OPS. and they're Their offense is bad. <laughs> yeah, but it's like they can hit and they don't strike out, but yet they put no runs on the board. Like, are they only hitting singles? Like, what's going they on? They can't hit runner in scoring position. That, that's the problem. So it's like different. So Stalin Castro has been on a tear. Mm-hmm. Trey Turner's had a good year. Monsanto has been good. 
Um, Kyle Schwarber's had his moments. Jan Gomes has been hot. Josh Harrison was hot. Yadiel Hernandez was crazy hot at one point. But here's the thing is, if those guys are hitting number one, number six, number two, number seven, they're not around each other, right? It's about, it's about the middle guys driving people in, and mm. that's the Nationals. I know across baseball, situational hitting has been bad. Yeah. But they are a team that does not they, – they do not keep the line moving in a significant way. Um, and to buoy that, they try to bring in Schwarber and Bell to, in the sense of saying, hey, look, if we're not going to keep the line moving, let's hit for some power. You know, maybe some solo power. They haven't really gotten that. Those guys had great springs and then both got COVID. So they've been derailed since then. The national national offense, plain and simple, is the fact that those guys, they've been trying to get them going every single day. They're not going. And uh, they don't hit well at runners in scoring position. It's kind of just the bottom line. Mm. Well, you guys still have some pretty good players in your lineup when you look at Trey Turner, Juan Soto. You guys got some real studs in there. Ryan Zimmerman's still having a pretty good year. Yeah. <laughs> it's surprisingly yeah. at age 36, he's been able to put it together. But what, how do you feel about your rotation, though? Because you guys are middle of the pack when it comes to ERA. Steven Strasburg, I mean, I haven't seen him too much. Max Scherzer looks somehow as good as he's ever been. How do you good feel Lord. about your rotation and your bullpen and, uh, as well, just your overall pitching staff? So the, the rotation is in a spot where they've got guys going they didn't think they'd be going. Uh, Eric Fetty is not a guy they thought would be going every fifth day, and he's going every fifth day. Um, Scherzer obviously is out there right now. John Lester, they just brought in. I didn't love the John Lester thing, but he's he's been solid. Mm. You know, the, the conditions for the Nationals to be good pitching-wise were really that they needed everybody to be healthy. They needed to have a starting five uh, in the rotation of Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Lester, and then uh, they needed to have in the back end Joe Ross, who's, who's not been bad so far this year. He's been – decent fifth starter, but the problem is Joe Ross for a little while was one of their three best starters, you know, two or three best starters. And um, Strasburg is battling injuries still. That's been a challenge for him. They're trying to make sure when they bring him back, he's right. Cause he has not been right so far this year. Corbin has been up and down. He was bad last year. So he's trying to find it. He had a great, great game today uh, against the Phillies. So the starting pitching is hit or miss, but it's, it's kept them competitive, save a few games. I'll say that. The bullpen has been injured, and it's mm. been mismanaged, in my opinion, from mm. Martinez. It's been mismanaged. Yep. Um, Shots. Well, the, you know, Brad Hand <laughs> has not been good against the Yankees. Blew a save on Saturday. Threw, I think, I forget how many pitches he threw. They brought him back on Sunday, lost the game outright. And then last night against the Phillies, uh, Wednesday night game, whenever, whenever you all hear this, blew a lead against the Phillies, too. Uh, so he's not pitching well right now, and – Look, it, this team is, you know, they, they're on a stretch right now where they got swept by the Braves, lost two or three in New York, lost two or three to the Phillies. That could have been two or three wins against the, the, the Yankees mm-hmm. with a Brad Hand good performance, and it could have been two or three against the Phillies with a Brad Hand good performance as well. So it seems like something goes wrong whenever, like, you know, they're in a position to win. Neither, you know, the, the pitching keeps them in it, but the offense doesn't show up, or they've had a few games where Brad Hand, you know, has had a tough time or Kyle Finnegan and they, you know, Kyle Finnegan threw 22 pitches uh, on the Tuesday night game. They brought him back out the next night for some reason to, to pitch again. So it's stuff like that, where I don't know if Dave Martinez feels really comfortable managing the bullpen right now. And I think that's something that is clearly the wheels are turning and he's trying to find it, figure out the best way to manage the pen moving forward. 
So you, do you not trust Brad Hand then? Because his ERA is solid right now, 292. But looking at his yeah. walks per nine, looks like he gives up 5.1 walks per nine, hits per nine, 7.3. So it looks like he's probably putting runners on the base, even though he's not giving up those yes. unearned runs. So the location was bad on Saturday. It was bad on Sunday. And it was bad last. I mean, he, Odubel, I said this yesterday, Odubel Herrera hit like a 4,000 foot home run because he just hung a fat slider to him. And uh, that's not something you can do in a one run game. You know, and they're paying him good money. You know, I thought at the end of the year they should have used him as as a guy where it's like, look, we're paying you closer money, but we don't have to use you as a closer just because that's your title, or whatever. You know, if we just had a righty go six innings and we can go lefty in the seventh and then eight nine go Will Harris and and Daniel Hudson, why not? Right? You know, I, I think to me in the playoffs, you know, you see managers work backwards. Right? Mm-hmm. Who's my best guy I can bring in right now? kind of Andrew Miller being the, the great example of this, right? Who is my best guy out of the pen? Let me use him as soon as possible. The Nats did that with Patrick Corbin, you know, in, in the in the World Series and in the playoffs as well. So I think that's how you should approach it. I think the traditional approach of this guy's my setup, this guy's my closer is a bit outdated. Now, Harris and Hudson have said they don't want to be closers necessarily. Mm. But still, I think it's all about doing whatever you can to help the team win the game. And I don't know if Brad Hens best spot is as the closer always not me questioning him after three blown, you know, three blown, say three losses, whatever. He still, he can still obviously know that position down. I just think maybe your best utility for a bullpen that does not have many lefties is being that guy, wherever they need you putting you in there. Yeah. And one guy you were talking about before and Steven Strasburg about how you guys want to get him right. And he hasn't pitched a lot this year. He only, I'm looking at it. He has 10 innings pitched this year and he only pitched five innings last year. So what's been up with Steven Strasburg the last two years, because I know that's kind of been the mark on his career is that he's a guy who's been low key kind of injury prone and always been kind of fragile, honestly. So what's been going on with him the last two years? Why hasn't he really been pitching that much? Josh and I will get into a little conversation about Max Scherzer and Steven Stroudsburg. But first, have you guys heard about Sports Trade? It's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. This is amazing. Sports Trade takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robin Hood for fantasy sports. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players, just like real stocks. Finally, a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. And they just added the baseball to the platform. So check it out today. Making money with sports trade is simple as player value rises and falls based on two factors. One, their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points in that game. The more points scored, the higher their value goes. Two, good old supply and demand, baby. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes. When you're ready to buy shares, pick that penny stock in a rookie with huge upside or grab that blue chip vet who's always a solid performer. Instantly, buy and sell as many shares in as many players as you like, just like the stock market. Then watch your players battle and your portfolio value rise. Simply go to sportstrade.com, watch the How It Works video, and then sign up to get started. Sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in the game at sportstrade.com. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. 
Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. All right, all right, all right. Let's wrap up the pod. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you go back to last year's season as the injury gets surgery in the offseason, and it's, you know, it's, I mean, it's really difficult for them to do that, um, you know, to, to have that happen. And, you know, nerve issues in his pitching hand were what kept him out um, last season, obviously gets surgery on his arm, and then comes back this year and just has some issues in his mechanics, you know, a tough time. And, um, you know, when you spend that much money on a guy, and you let Rendon walk, who's a huge part of the championship team. You know, mm-hmm. I still think it was the right move to make because Strasburg, if you see in the playoffs, man, I mean, that guy, you know, he's one of the best playoff pitchers since Madbo. I mean, mm-hmm. really his numbers. I mean, just look at the numbers. I mean, he was, he was that good last in 2019 in the playoffs and at his best, he's great. And also too, think about where he came from. He was, he was the top pick for the organization, right? Mm-hmm. This happens across all sports, football, basketball, baseball, you know, if there's, if there's a decision to be keep, to keep one guy or another, who usually gets kept? The guy whose draft capital or draft profile was a bit higher. Um, that's usually how just how it works. No matter you know, no matter what the situation is. So they kept Strasburg, and he's been on the team. And uh, you know, injuries have kept him out. And look, the contract doesn't look great, but when that guy's on the field pitching and he's right, I mean, he's excellent. And they got to get him to the point where you know they're going to be cautious because they want to get him to a point where he is right. And they, they don't have to put him back on the IL and, and he's back to hundred percent. So he's throwing right now, bullpens. He should be back in the next three weeks, probably two or three weeks. So that's where he's at. Yeah. And his contract is getting paid 35 million a year until 2026 when he's age 37. And the way injuries have gone for him so far throughout his career, I mean, it, it doesn't look likely that he's going to be, you know, making 30 starts a season until age 37. So do you think that contract could be maybe become an albatross kind of contract or do you, where you look at that and say, Hey, that's actually uh, pretty dead money on the books right now. Well, it depends on how he works. Like mm-hmm. there is, you know, there is, Guys who get later in the career, Max Scherzer is a great example. You figure out, and, and, and Steven's got great secondary stuff too. That they know, you know, and here's the thing is Strasburg's a guy, you know, who's dealt with fastball velocity drop in the past mm-hmm. and is, is, is acclimated to that and got accustomed to it. It's just a matter, you know, he's just got to get out there. Like I, I can't give you an answer to that because he's not been out there enough. And you have to, the guys who are the best at staying in this game for a long time are the guys who acclimate to what their body tells them, who try not to be the guy they were and always are trying to adapt and change based off what they're throwing that night. Max Scherzer, nobody's better at making in-game adjustments and hanging around with their best stuff, their their worst stuff rather than Max Scherzer. So he's got to kind of take that model as he moves, you know, as he gets older and older uh, with his pitching. I still think he'll be in his prime until he's about 33, 34. If injuries haven't hampered him too much, and then from that point, it's all about how does he pitch after that and acclimate to his new, you know, to his body, basically. 
Yeah, I think that's kind of what we're seeing with Mad Bum right now. Because exactly he, right. Yep. Yeah, because he was a guy last year, fastball around 88 miles an hour. Now, somehow he's able to get that fastball velocity up to about 90 and a half this year. Uh, in his last stars, uh, it was averaging at 92 and a half miles per hour. That was the fastest he's, uh, average he's had since 2019. So all of a sudden, Mad Bum's got some extra velocity in his back pocket, but he's also he's done a lot of different things these last few starts just to take some of the mindset off of what he's doing at the plate because the D-backs just want to ease his load when he's on the mound. They're trying to take the scouting reports away from him, just not fill his head with those advanced analytics. Just say, go out there and pitch and do what you can do because you're a mad bum, dude. You're a three-time World Series champion. So I've loved what I've seen from Mad Bum recently, but you're, you were talking about Max Scherzer, which is a great way, uh, great se- uh, segue is what I want to say to my next question, because this dude, Max Scherzer, we already saw it this year. He had a start earlier. We dominated the D-backs. And I thought this guy was going to be in the decline. After 2020, I thought I, I, saw, li- yeah, I thought I saw little cracks in the decline. But this yep. season, a uh, stellar ERA, strikeouts per nine above his career average, the best whip of his career. I mean, how much longer can this guy keep going? How much left does he have in the tank? He's got, he's got a lot left, to be honest. I, I mean, I, I thought it was going the same way. And last year, especially because, you know, I think he's pitching through some pain, but they leave him in late in the game. And at pitch, you know, from pitches 80 on, he's leaving balls over the plate against guys who have seen him a couple times. Guys, you know, seem to be keen in on what he's throwing. And this year, there's some of that too. Yeah, you know, he's been roughed up a couple times. But once again, nobody comes to, comes to compete when their stuff isn't 100% like Max Scherzer. And that's what he brings to the table, is that a guy that, you know, even gets up four runs the first two innings of the game, if you see he settles in, you leave him in the ballgame. Um, and, and honestly, 14 Ks at Yankee Stadium uh, last game out, it's the most by an opposing pitcher, I believe, at New Yankee Stadium. Mm. Uh, so he is always, you know, his style hasn't really changed a whole lot, but he's just so dialed in on every single hitter. He just seems to know what, what pitches, what sequence works, how to get ahead of guys all the time, how to fight back when he's behind. You know, the walk numbers, I, I think, were up a little bit last year. I'm not sure where they're at this year, but it just seems like when he goes down 2-0 this year, he's operating in a bit of a higher mental clip. And he's, I mean, let me tell you something. I don't know if there's a better contract in all of baseball than the seven-year, $210 million contract the Nationals gave Max Scherzer. That thing was, he could get hurt today. He could have not pitched one minute this entire, one inning this entire season. That contract is one of the most, is one of the best, I think, in modern baseball. I mean, mm. find me one that's better, you know, based off of his, his production and what he brings on a day in and day out basis from the intensity, from the leadership, and just, you know, from a stuff perspective, this guy's always competing. I mean, he's still got a lot, little bit left in the tank. Yeah, because most of the time we see those long-term fat contracts by the last three or four years. You're like, that dude is pretty washed, honestly. But Scherzer has kept it going, and it looks like, what, he's entering – is this the final year of his contract right now? So what do you think the Nationals are going to resign him, uh, resign him? And if they do, what what do you project that contract to look like then? It's a, it's a great question. So obviously he goes to New York and he throws 14 strikeouts. So what do you think the S Network is talking about? Uh, well, yeah. he could be on the block, you know, he could be in pinstripes as a guy people are looking at, you know, it's, he's owed deferred money by DC. He's a massive part of the championship team. He's a massive part of the modern era of Nats baseball. I think they'd love to have him back. Um, I don't know. If they're necessarily focused on that right now. And I, I don't think, it, I don't think Max is, I think Max knows that if the performance is there, 
the contract will be afterwards. I mean, I think he's what, 35, 36 now. Um, he can get big money for two or three more years. And I think with the way he's pitching, if the Nationals have any ideas of being competitive, they have to resign. Um, they absolutely have to resign him. Now, if they want to take a step back and kind of reload, they got a couple guys, uh, a couple really, I mean, stud pitchers, Kate Cavalli and, and Jackson Rutledge that are not too far away, maybe 22, 2022, 2023 coming up along the way. Uh, they could hold off till you know they may say, "Hey, no, we're good. We're gonna just you know save our save our bullets until later." I still think this team clearly wants to compete and win, and if they have any ideas on that, they're going to re-sign Max Scherzer because how do you not? And this guy's just a horse and doesn't look like he's gonna slow down at any point. Yeah, maybe could do like a one for one, like you see in basketball. We do like a guaranteed year the first year, and then like a team option that second year, just to right. keep keep your options open. But Scherzer, he's been a stud throughout his career, and he is a former D back. And man, imagine if the D backs never traded Max Scherzer, how their franchise history would have been changed. Uh, that would have been pretty crazy to see D backs, uh, uh, see Scherzer in the D backs uniform for a long time. But he wasn't the guy he is now when he was pitching for the D backs. No. I'll tell you that. That's it for this edition of the Locks on Dimebacks podcast. Remember, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked on Today podcast. Host Peter Baskowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked on Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. We'll have part two with Josh Neighbors. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!